0: There's no true statement ever been said by a Christian than about Jesus Christ. If uh, you were to find the bones of Muhammad and they have them, they, they, you can still have Islam. Find the bones of Buddha and they have them, you can still be a Buddhist. But if you find the bones of Jesus Christ, our whole faith has fell apart. Because everything about our faith is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's based on him giving that life-giving power. If some man comes along like Jesus Christ and says, I am the resurrection, that's what he said to Martha. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Well, if he goes in the grave, he better come back up, amen? When he came back up, I'm like, you know what? I think that guy right there that just came up out of the grave like that, he was in there for three days, he came up out of the grave, I think he might have the life. I think he might have the resurrection. That might be the guy I want to follow. That might be one I want to ask for eternal life. Look at Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Look at verse 13. We'll start there at verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs, about seven and a half miles from Jerusalem. Now, Jesus Christ has already been crucified. Jesus Christ has already been buried. This is after the third day. This is after the third day. These two disciples are walking along, and they get to talking to each other about what's been going on in their life this last three and a half, four years since Jesus Christ showed up. Verse 14, And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Can you imagine that? You walking along, you're talking to your best friend, and then some guy just comes walking up and starts walking with you. Like, hey, what are you doing? What, who is that? But notice they, that, that, that their eyes were holding that they should not know him. So this guy comes walking up, and they look over oh, this. I wonder who this guy is. And they just keep on a walking. They don't even realize it's Jesus Christ. How many times in your life have you been going along, just living everyday life, and Jesus Christ comes into your life, and you don't realize it? You have a divine encounter, and it comes through and goes by. I've had things like that happen in my life, and what's the funniest thing about it? It's afterwards you look back and you're like, wait, hold on, that don't make any sense. You start wondering, was that an angel? Was that the Lord? Who was that that just came into my life? Maybe it just was a normal encounter. I don't know, but I've had those encounters like that where afterwards you're like, That doesn't matter. Where'd they go to? Where'd they come from? I don't know. And they're walking along, and they're talking about Jesus Christ and everything that's happened and how he was crucified and all the miracles he'd done. And here comes Jesus Christ right along to try to get into the conversation, verse 17. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad? (laughs) That's how the Lord, the Lord always asks a question that he has an answer for. You know, like your mom used to do you, who got into the cookie jar? Not me. And she knew exactly who got into the cookie jar, trying to get you to confess it. He knows what's going on. He knows what they're talking about. But notice he says, I notice that you're sad. I notice that you're sad. And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? He goes, man, what are you talking about? You don't, know, you don't know nothing about Jesus Christ? You don't know nothing about the man Jesus and how they crucified him? Where have you been, man? This thing's, It's been all over. Verse 19, and he said unto them, what things? <laughs> That's the Lord. That's how the Lord does you. What things? What are you talking about? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you humbly, Lord God. the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, And I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us and direct us this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would move on any man or woman in here that's not saved, Lord God, that you speak to the heart the truth. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for your resurrection. I thank you for the salvation we have in Jesus Christ, Lord. And I thank you for these people that love you and to come out here to hear your word, Lord God. I pray your words will come off this page. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. amen. I want to preach this morning on the end of convenient Christianity. That's a long title, I know, but I want to preach this morning on the end, the end of convenient Christianity. See, when these disciples are describing Jesus Christ, what they're describing is the greatest show on earth. Jesus Christ, when he showed up, he was the greatest show on earth. He was healing the blind. He was making the lame to walk. He was raising the people that were sick off their sick their, their beds when they were sick. Jesus Christ was doing all these thre- things. He was... Obviously, the greatest show on earth, and as they watched, they could see all this going on in front of their very eyes. And it was convenient to follow Jesus Christ. Everybody wanted to follow Jesus Christ, everybody wanted a piece of Jesus Christ. The kings, the religious leaders, Pilate, they all wanted to meet Jesus Christ. He was a superstar. He was a a modern-day movie star, a modern-day rock star. Everybody wanted to get close to him. They wanted just to touch him. They wanted to see this man that they had been hearing about. And it was very convenient to follow Jesus Christ. They seen him walking on water. They seen him calming the storm. They seen him doing all these things. Jesus Christ was followed by tens of thousands. At any moment, Jesus Christ had tens of thousands of people following him, trying to get near him, trying to press to get close to him. It was easy to follow Jesus Christ. It was very convenient because everybody else was following Jesus Christ. And then the day came that they mentioned there in verse 20, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. It was easy to follow Jesus Christ. It was no, no, it was no big deal to follow Jesus Christ. It was convenient to follow Jesus Christ. And then the end of the convenience came. Because one day they woke up and they arrested their Savior. One day they woke up and they went into the garden and the Lord says, Hey, just stay tear here and pray. Something bad's about to happen. I need you to pray. And they were so comfortable around Jesus Christ. They were so not worried about what was going to happen in their lives that they went, literally went to sleep when he was begging them to pray. Can't you stay awake and pray with me? Pray with me. And they would just fall asleep. They were so comfortable because everything was convenient. Everything was easy. He was raising the dead. What was there to worry about being around Jesus Christ? What was there to worry about? Nothing. Nothing to worry about. It was so easy to be a follower of Christ at the time. And then one day in the evening when they came, they saw somebody they knew named Judas. Judas came up to Christ and walked up there. And Judas had some soldiers with him what's Judas doing? And Judas walked up there and Judas reached over and kissed Jesus Christ on the cheek. And they heard their Lord and Savior say, you betray the Son of Man with a kiss, Judas. And they grabbed Jesus Christ and the disciples got scared. They didn't know what was going on and they started pulling out the swords and they ran away and the disciples ran away and got away and they took their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and arrested Him. And from that point on it became very inconvenient to be a Christian. Peter tried to follow from afar. He tried to follow because he wanted to see what they were going to do to Jesus. And as he followed Jesus Christ, he could see them as they hit Jesus Christ in the head and smacked Jesus Christ across the cheek and took his beard and pulled some of his beard out. And they were whipping Jesus Christ and they were mocking Jesus Christ. And Peter had to watch from afar. This same Peter that said, I'll die for you, Lord. You won't go there. I'll die for you. I'll pull my sword. I'll do anything for you, Lord. And as a coward, he had to sit back and watch Jesus Christ being treated that way. Because he knew that if he said anything, that they were going to do him the same way. As a matter of fact, he got too close, and one of the ladies says, Don't I know you? Don't you follow? Aren't you a follower of the man from Nazareth? Aren't you a follower of this Jesus? And Peter says, No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And then later on that evening, as he's sitting around a fire, he's trying to warn himself, and he's watching Jesus Christ. Somebody else says, you have that accent like you're from Galilee. Are you sure you're not a follower of Christ? And he said, no, I don't know nothing about this man. I know nothing about him. And then about the third time, somebody else asked Peter, are you sure you're not a follower? And Peter heard the cock crow. He heard the rooster crow. And the Bible says that about that time, he had denied the Lord three times, just like Jesus said he would. And Peter, it says, The the Bible says Peter looked over and he seen Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ was looking at him. Just looking at him. And And Peter and Jesus' eyes made contact, and Peter turned away and went off and wept. See, what happened that day for all the followers of Jesus Christ, what happened that day is they realized how the government really felt about Jesus Christ. See, they've been following Jesus Christ and they've been seeing his miracles and they've been seeing how he's doing, and they thought, surely the government loves us, man. He's healing people, he's he's teaching nothing but love, he's teaching us to love our enemies. Surely the government loves Jesus Christ. Surely the government likes Jesus Christ, and they found out that day the government doesn't like Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, what the, the government does, the government hates Jesus Christ. And they seen Jesus Christ, and that day they found out that the religious leaders hated Jesus Christ. See, they assumed that since Jesus Christ was a teacher of the Word of God, and teacher of the Scripture, and that he mentioned God, and he was a follower of God, and he mentioned the Father, that the religious leaders, surely the religious leaders liked Jesus Christ, right? It was convenient, it was easy, he's a wonderful man, and they found out that day that the religious leaders hated Jesus Christ. How much did they hate him? They wanted to kill him. And the government wanted to kill him. And that day they found out that the government hated Jesus Christ, that the Religious leaders headed Jesus Christ and they found out a great truth that they didn't see coming. This man that had been walking among the people, healing the sick, raising the dead, making the lame to walk. This man that was teaching love. This man that was doing everything for the people. When it came to the time to bring Pilate, Pilate brought Jesus before the people. They found out that the people started yelling, crucify him, crucify him. You want me to crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar. Crucify him. And that day, these disciples, including these two we're reading about here, they found out that Christianity was about to get very inconvenient. It was so easy to follow Christ when he was doing the miracles. So easy to follow Christ when everything was going right. It was so easy to follow Christ when it seemed like the government and the religious leaders and the people loved him. But that day came when they found out the truth that they didn't love him. They hated him, and they wanted to kill him. See, I'm seeing that happen in America today. This is a warning message that the end of convenient Christianity is upon us. See, this morning we're very convenient We've got our air conditioner, we've got a little bit of heat if we want it in here, we got lights, we got pews, we're able to come in here dressed like we want to be dressed, we're able to come in here and worship the Lord Jesus Christ like we want to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, but guys, I think we're taking the convenience, we're taking it, we're just we're, we're not appreciating what we have. And I'm here to tell you that the end of convenient Christianity is upon us. You're about to find out, if you don't already know, that the government does not like Jesus Christ. The government does not like him. And what you're starting to see is how the government doesn't like Jesus Christ. It doesn't like anything about the Christian life. and doesn't like anything that's written in this book. Do you realize everything you see Biden and uh, uh, Kamala Harris and the U.S. government, Congress, Senate, everything you see them promoting today as they promote transgenderism, as they promote the LBGQT, as they promote the hate and everything else they promote, everything they promote goes against this book. It goes against this book. Now, you can believe the book or you cannot believe the book. Thank God we're still in a free country. You don't have to believe this book. But as a Christian, I believe this book. I believe it from cover to cover. As a matter of fact, I believe the name is on the front cover, my own name. I believe everything about this book. And this book speaks against everything they're promoting. Everything they're promoting. This book goes goes so far as to say a man should not be wearing women's clothes and a woman shouldn't be wearing man's clothes. It does. It's right in. I didn't write you this book. It's in there. It's in here. And the world hates that idea. I didn't come up with the idea. The Lord said it. It's against what he believes. He goes so far as not only to call it a sin, he says it's abominations. If they're going... And you think, well, Brother Keegan, you're getting kind of a little loony. You're taking it a little too far. Brother Keegan, you're kind, of, you're, kind of, you're kind of being overly dramatic. You realize we had a girl that walked into a university that tried to say that a man should not be competing with women in sports, that that same woman was beat up and drove away, and she had to go hide for three hours in a closet while they were out there threatening her? For, she, didn't, she didn't say anything about what this Bible said. All she said was something they didn't agree with, that men shouldn't be with women in sports. She didn't say anything about the sin of homosexuality or the sin of anything. All she said was men should not be, k- be with women. Just common sense. And they drove away and tried to kill her. They could have if, the, if the security wasn't there. In my mind, no doubt they would have killed her. They would have beat her to death. This book says a hundred times, thousand times worse than what she thought to say. I'm here to tell you this morning, guys, it's coming. The end is here for convenient Christianity. You've been taking it for granted way too long. You've been taking it for granted that you have this book. Are you reading it? Are you studying it? Are you memorizing it? You're taking it for granted, I think. Are we taking it for granted? See, it was real convenient for you to come into this church, but you know, there's brothers and sisters around the world today, they can't go to church. Over in India, over in China, over in Iran, over in Iraq, over in all parts of the world, they can't go to church today in fear of death. They were afraid if they stood up and said, I'm a Christian, they would literally get beat to death. Who would beat them to death, Pastor? Their own family. In Christianity, in America, we've been, we've been blessed beyond all measure. God's blessed us for a couple of hundred years. And we've had a church on every corner, and we've loved the Lord, and we try to send out missionaries, and we try to go to church, and we try to sing praises to Him. But have you noticed how things are starting to fall off? If you want the stats, I got the stats. They send them to me all the time. You know what the latest stats say? One-third of Americans are atheists. One-third of Americans are claiming to be atheist, And they're saying only 60% of Americans are claiming to be Christian. And when they say Christian, that could be anything. That could be a Christian that has a homosexual in the pulpit. That that, that don't matter. There's only, supposedly, only 4% of Christians that are biblical believers that believe in the Bible. I'm here to tell you, if you don't believe this book, you're not much of a Christian if you're a Christian at all. Talking about the Bible. Yeah, they're finding out. What they're finding out was that it was convenient to follow Christ. But whenever Christ got crucified and Christ got buried and Christ disappeared, Christ wasn't there any longer, they found out, what do we do now? See, uh, they were living, and these disciples, they were living with the signs and miracles. And I talked about that a little bit in Sunday school. They were living in signs and miracles. They were living in a time where there's Jesus, and he's performing a miracle. There's Jesus, and he's healing the blind. There's, they could physically, with their eyes, see it. They've seen the signs. They've seen the miracles. They've seen a young man laying on his deathbed, and Jesus resurrecting. They've seen all this with their right. eyes. They've seen the signs and miracles. You know what Jesus Christ says for those that are seeking signs and miracles? He says an evil, an adulterous generation seeketh for a sign. He said, the only sign I'll give you is the sign of Jonas, which is Jonah. As Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the well, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. That's your sign, everybody in this room. That's the only sign you're going to get. What is that, Pastor? That's the sign of the resurrection. That he was buried and he came up the third day. There's your sign. That's what you got. But these disciples, they weren't used to living like that. They were used to living conveniently and easily, being able to watch Jesus perform miracles, watch Him doing all this. For the first time, they're going to have to stop living by sight and start living by faith. So they had walked for three and a half years by sight. they seen Jesus Christ. They heard Jesus Christ. They could touch Jesus Christ. Oh, how wonderful it was and how amazing it was, how stupendous it was. And then one day, crucified, dead, buried. There's your religion. What do you do now? And they didn't know what to do. They'd been living by sight. They'd been living conveniently. They'd been living easily. They'd been living like nothing was ever going to change. And one day it did change. And what you know about God, if you know anything about God, is you can't please God without faith. You've got to have faith or you can't please God. You ever notice how many times i thought about this? In the gospel, is Jesus Christ is going along with his disciples. How many times did Jesus Christ berate them and berate them and berate them? He goes, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Well, Lord, we couldn't cast out that. Oh, ye of little faith. How long will I be with you? Oh, le- ye of little faith. He was warning them. He was preparing them. Because see, if you notice, that every one of these problems was they were trying to live by sight. They would see it. They wanted to do it. Oh, it don't work. And the Lord would say, because you don't have any faith. You don't have any faith. You don't have any faith. He was getting them prepared. They went from hearing, from hearing the living word to have to believing the written word. It's a big difference. See, they were hearing the living word, and I talked about that this morning in Sunday School. They were hearing the living word to where it was amazing to hear Jesus Christ talk. The Bible says it was gracious words. It was powerful words. The Bible said that they sent the temple police to arrest Jesus Christ, and when they came to him, they couldn't arrest him. They came back, and the, and the, temple, uh, the temple priest said, Why didn't you arrest him? And the police said, We've ne- Never a man spake like this man. Never heard anybody talk like that. See, they were hearing these words. They were conveniently there. They could hear it. They didn't have to wonder what. There it was. They could hear it with their own ears. And they went from hearing the words of God to believing the written word. And the Lord is trying to transition them. He's trying to change them. He's trying to show them that now you're not going to be living by sight anymore, brothers. You're going to have to start living by faith. You're going to start living by believing the written word. Everybody in this room is going to have to live like that in Christianity. Christianity. Your Christian walk is you're going to have to believe the written word of God and you're going to have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Nobody in this room has seen Jesus Christ. Nobody in this room has heard Jesus Christ all the way. You're going to have to believe the written word and hear the living word. That's not very convenient. That's not very convenient. Follow with me in verse 22. Follow with me in verse 22. Luke chapter 24, verse 22. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. So they're telling Jesus what they had heard from Mary and the other girls. Verse 24, And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. They said, Yeah, we went to the tomb, and he had disappeared. We couldn't find him. They don't realize they're talking to Jesus, you know. Look at verse 25. This is your verse. Verse 25. Then Jesus, then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? He calls them fools. How would you like that? Walking along and you're minding your own business. Here comes this guy and comes along and says, What are y'all talking about? Well, we're talking about Jesus. Who's Jesus? What are you talking about Jesus? You don't know who Jesus is? And they start explaining all this. And then what does the guy say? You know what? You're a bunch of fools. How would you like that? He calls them fools. Why does he call them fools? And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? See, everything he's talking about is right here written in this book. That's what he's talking about. Oh fools, and slow of heart to believe. See, they're slow to believe. He's chastising them for being fools for what? Being slow to believe. Brothers and sisters, you've got to believe. But it's easy to believe right now because mama and daddy believe, grandma and granddad believe, your teacher believes, your pastor believes, people you know and love believe, maybe your neighbor believes, but brothers and sisters, listen to me, listen to me, the day is coming and I know it's right around the corner that the people are not going to believe. Because it's very convenient to believe. It's very convenient in America to be a Christian. But I'm telling you, by this time next year, I can't promise you we'll have Easter service. I can't promise that. Just two years ago, they told us to shut the churches down. Y'all lived through the pandemic, amen? They told us, no more church. They were arresting pastors over in New York, arresting pastors in Florida. Why? Because they had a church service. They were testing it out. They were seeing what was going to happen. They were going to see if you could follow. And our great governor, and I love Governor Abbott. I love Governor Abbott, and I think he's a Christian man, but he said one of the stupidest things he could have said. He said, you know what? I think the churches should be open. I'm going to allow the churches to be open. That's what he said. You know what, Governor Abbott? You don't allow it, and you don't misallow it. It isn't your right to allow it or disallow it. It's a God-given right to worship God. Don't tell me if I can or can't. It's a God-given right. But in this country, as we go along, it's starting to disappear. I'm starting to get more and more people. I work. I work. I work a, a regular job, guys. Every day, every week, it's getting more and more work. Less people are going to church. Less people are talking about the Lord. More people are living out in the world. More people, or they'll talk bad about Christianity. They'll talk bad about this book. It's getting worse and worse by the day. And as the pressure comes down from the government. The pressure's going to come down from the government to get rid of this book, to get rid of Christianity, to get rid of this old hate-filled book, this hate literature. That, what are you going to do? Are you going to take the side of the Bible? Are you going to start keep believing the Bible? Or are you going to say, well, it's kind of inconvenient. It's inconvenient to believe this. It makes me an outcast. It makes me, they call me crazy. And they're going to call you crazy. If you believe this book, they're going to call you crazy. Some of y'all out there this morning thinking I'm crazy. Amen. I know it. I know how it works. But notice, he said, then he said unto them, "O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken." Notice he calls them fools for not believing, not for understanding. You don't have to understand everything that's in this book. I don't understand everything in this book. I'm never going to understand everything in this book. But the point is, it's slow to heart to believe. Slow heart to believe. Listen. You might be slow to pay your bills. You might be slow to mow your grass. You might be slow to wash your dishes. But whatever you do, don't you be slow to believe this book. You got it in your lap. Don't be slow to believe it. Or Christ will call you a fool. Then he said, to them, O fools, of slower heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter in his glory? And beginning at Moses... And all the prophets he expanded unto them and all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. One of the greatest truths I found when I started studying my Bible is that Jesus Christ shows up in Genesis, chapter one. And then he shows up in Genesis chapter two, and Jesus Christ shows up in Genesis chapter three, and he shows up all through the Bible. And before you're a Christian, you can read this and not see, him, but when you're a Christian, you see Jesus Christ. You're like, Hey, that's the Lord. That, that lamb that, was, that lamb at the Passover that was slain and the blood was put on the door and all you had to do was get in the door and you'll be saved? That sure does sound a whole lot like Jesus Christ. Peter, Peter, Peter went on to say, Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. It's all in there, brothers and sisters. And Christ, can you imagine that? From the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expanded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Can you imagine Jesus Christ getting up, getting up and doing a Bible study on himself through the Scriptures? Man, you don't talk about taking a lot of notes, amen? You know, how do you, why do you believe this Bible is true and not just written by men? Because, of, number one, the reason why I believe this book and that, that it's not written just by men is, number one, prophecy. This Bible tells you what's going to happen before it happens, not just by 50 years. We're not talking about, oh, 50 years from now. We're talking about hundreds of years it prophesies and comes true. Thousands of years. If you look at the book of Revelation, you look at the book of Revelation, especially in Revelation chapter 13, you would think you were reading a modern day newspaper. As you see the one world government come in, one world currency getting away from it, you're seeing all this. Revelation 13 is coming alive before our very eyes. The main reason I believe this book to be Written by God and not by men is a prophecy. Here's the second reason. This is a different reason, maybe you never heard before, but this is the reason why I believe this book wasn't written by men because it doesn't say anything good about man. It talks bad about Abraham, it talks bad about Moses, it talks bad about Isaac, it talks bad about Jacob, it talks bad about David. Really bad about David, amen. David was a murderer and adulterer. That's Jesus Christ's granddad. It talks bad about everybody. The only one I can find in the Bible that doesn't say something bad about is these three men. Of course, Jesus Christ, Joseph, and Daniel. Now, Daniel accepted worship, so we can knock him out. But Joseph and Jesus Christ are the only two. I can't find it in my Bible that says anything bad about Joseph. Do you know that Joseph is the greatest type of Jesus Christ in the Bible? That might be the reason why there's nothing said bad about him in your book. Look at verse 28. And they drew nine to the village whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. He made as though he would have gone further. Jesus Christ wants you to want him. Jesus Christ is a gentleman. He's not just going to barge into the door of your heart. He, can, he What's going on here is they're walking along. They're about to stop at their house. And Jesus keeps on walking like he's just going to keep on going. He made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, "Abide with us. Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent." He went in to tarry with them. He said, "Come on in here. Come in here." And they went in. uh, He went in with them. Verse thirty. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and broke and gave to them. So he blesses it, breaks the bread, and look at this. Verse thirty-one. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> he was sitting there, and the guy says, Lord, I pray, Father, bless this fruit of the nurse of our body. He wakes up, and he just, boop, he disappears. You're like, uh-oh. Did you see that? Yeah, right before he disappeared, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. What did, they, what did they answer that? Look at verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? Hmm. I've had that happen to me. I've been reading this book and my heart just started burning. I get, I call it heartburn, amen. Burn, our hearts start burning. Heartburn. Heartburn within us. Did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us by the way and while He opened to us the scriptures? See, it's going to take the Lord open the scriptures to you and for Him to start working on your heart. Are you getting heartburn this morning? You've been listening to the scripture. You've been reading the scripture with me, and the Lord start dealing with your heart. You got a funny feeling in your heart. You're getting kind of butterflies. You start thinking, "Well, I don't know. I don't." That's the Lord dealing with you. That's the moving of the Holy Spirit. And I'm trying to get you to do something you shouldn't do. But if you're not saved, you need to get saved. The time is short. It's time for us to wake up. I don't know how much longer we have, brothers and sisters. We're going to be forced to pick a side. We'll have to pick either the side of Jesus Christ or pick the side of the world. And I know that the vast, vast majority will pick the world. You know why I know that? Because look at the pandemic. What happened during the pandemic? People were turning on each other. People were saying, you can't come on my house unless you're vaccinated. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I don't want to be friends with you. you can't, I don't want to be around you if you're not vaccinated. They started turning on each other. It was like Nazi Germany. People turning on each other. The way they acted, and the churches shut down. there was one Easter service. I think we were one of the only churches in this whole area that had Easter service. I never shut down during the pandemic. I'm just that stupid. I just said, "You know what, guys? I don't you come in with a mask, do whatever you want to do. I don't judge you if you want to stay home, but the Lord's called me to keep this church open, and I'm keeping the church open." And we kept the church open, and we had a little crowd. And then we got a little bit bigger of a crowd. And then we had people coming in because their church was closed, so they come in and visit us. But I'm here to tell you, the Lord has called us to a purpose, and it doesn't matter if it's convenient or not. How inconvenient was it for these disciples? Well, they all got killed. Paul, the greatest Christian to ever live, had his head cut off. Peter was crucified upside down. The... the, the uh, story goes that when they went to crucify Peter, he says, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. Turn me upside down, and they turn him upside down. Are you willing to die for Jesus Christ? I hope not. I hope you don't have to. I'm hoping there won't, that, that time won't come in America, but man, I wish he could tell you it's not going to. I want you to know that it's not going to be convenient to be a Christian, and that's okay. Brothers and sisters, that's okay. That's okay it's not convenient. You know why? Jesus Christ is worthy of everything we suffer for him. Everything. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them and breaking of bread. Look at verse thirty six. I'm going to finish off the service by reading this quickly. And as they spake, a, a, and as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and, they sa- and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified, terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why did thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? You got anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it, and he did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you, while, you was yet, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which was written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me." Then open he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Everything that happened to Christ is because it was written that it was happened to Christ. This book, verse 47, and this is what I want to start closing down on, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name among all nations, including Indian Gap Baptist, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. It's not a convenient thing to be a witness. You offend people. You make people mad. People don't like to hear about it. But we need to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. He said we need to. And in verse 49, in closing, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon upon you, but tear ye in the city of Jerusalem, until ye be endued with power from on high. That would be the Holy Spirit living in each one of us. That happened at Pentecost. And he led them out as far as to Bethany and He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was departed, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to ask you a question why not? He's the best thing going. We're all going to die, and we're all going to have to stand before God in the judgment. If you want to die and stand before God with Jesus Christ at your right hand, sinless, with Jesus Christ as your lawyer, you can take that. He's offering it to you this morning. But if you want to die and try to answer to God for your sins, your own way, well, then good luck to you. It's a free country. We can do what we want to do. But I beg and plead with you as we give an invitation, you'll take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. upon him